a performance artist so daring, so shocking, he either committed a horrifying crime or he made the whole thing up. And then we take a look at a young man who is traveling on his way to school when he finds out that he is in the middle of a glitch in reality. As he tries to navigate his way through a time loop he and his friends are caught in, we have to ask the bigger question. Are we ourselves currently trapped in a never-ending cycle of beginnings and beginnings? Today on Dead Rabbit Radio. Hey everyone, welcome back to another episode of Dead Rabbit Radio. I'm your host, Jason Carpenter. I'm having a great day. I hope you guys are having a great day too. I hope you guys have some great plans for the weekend. We got a lot of stuff to cover, so we're going to get started right away. First off, walking into Dead Rabbit Command is one of our newest Patreon supporters. I think. I'll explain that in a second. Walking into Dead Rabbit Command, everyone give a round of applause for Gregory Fader. Yeah, come on in, Gregory. Come on in, buddy. And he's like, it's weird. I think I've been here before. He thinks he's trapped in a time loop. I might have given Gregory Fader a shout-out on an earlier episode, but I'm not entirely for sure. His name's still sitting here in my notes, and I would rather err on the side of caution and definitely give him a shout-out today than to just assume that I had done it before. But again, could be a time loop. Could be a time loop. I could have done that. Gregory, you're going to be our captain, our pilot this episode. If you guys can't support the Patreon, I totally get it. I really do. Just help spread the word about the show. That really, really helps out a lot. And to you guys who do support the Patreon, I want to tell you how much that means to me. That's like grocery money for me, okay? That's like rent money and keeping the lights on. That's It means a lot that you guys are giving me donations. Like, it really does. Like, I count on this money. So to those of you who do support the Patreon, hats off to you. You guys, you guys are feeding me and keeping me comfortable. So really, really appreciate that. Oh, and before we get started... Take a look at this fan art we have for Fan Art Friday. This was sent to me by Mountain Man Leroy on Reddit. has a picture of the Carpenter Copter hovering overhead, and then it shows two people having a nice day on the beach, and it says, random people thinking nothing tragic weird is going to happen to them. So the Carpenter Copter, when you do see that coming, you've probably been trapped in some nightmarish reality or a victim of a true crime. And hopefully that never happens to any of us, but who knows where we're currently at in the time stream. Gregory, let's go ahead and toss you the hair hang glider. We're going to jump off the highest point of Dead Rabbit Command. We're going to fly all the way out to Italy. Specifically, we're headed to Bologna, Italy. I think it might be pronounced Bologna. Probably not. It looks like it. It looks like it's pronounced that way, which would actually make sense because I think this artist allegedly, <laughs> allegedly is full of it. Baloney. I don't believe that this artist is doing what they're saying. That I'm putting all my cards on the table right now, but let's take a look at it. I will say this. When I started doing this podcast, I always thought we'd cover a lot of ghost stuff. A lot of UFO stuff, some Bigfoot stuff. We've covered a lot of Bigfoot stuff, not covering a lot of ghosts, because the stories are really hard to find, but I'm doing my best. We got a lot of good ghost stuff recently. One thing that I never expected to ever do, like multiple shows on, I've covered a lot of these guys over the years, performance artists. Performance artists. We covered that guy who like rolled an egg through London with his nose to protest like wheat prices or something like that, and we 
Talked about Marina Abramovich. She's very popular in the conspiracy theory community and her connections to the Clinton administration and her connections to witchcraft and all of this stuff. We talked about that. We also talked about she's a crazy performance artist. One time she took a car into the Metropolitan Museum of Modern Art and was doing donuts, spraying black oil everywhere. So she's definitely... She definitely has some controversy surrounding her, but her performance art is just weird. We've covered a lot of these guys. I recently came across this guy named John Duncan. That was the sound of a couple of you shutting off the podcast or finding the fast forward button. You're like, nope, I'm going to pull over in my car and just figure out where the time loop story is. Because if you know the name John Duncan, you know exactly what the main thing we're going to talk about on this story. John Duncan. Back in the 1970s, He's in the performance art scene in Los Angeles. And performance art is basically people sitting around going, I have an idea, I'm going to do something weird, and then I'm going to attribute some sort of deeper meaning to it. And one of his was this. I don't think there's really any deeper meaning to this one. One of his artworks was called Scare. Scare. He wears a disguise in this one. It's not really scary if he walked into the room. Well, actually, it does turn out because the, the art he does, it would make you scared if he walked into the room. If he's telling the truth. Again, who knows? But this one, there were witnesses to this one. He put on a disguise and he walked into an art exhibit or he walked in where all these people were. They're all sitting around there. Where's Sean Duncan? He's supposed to scare us. And he was wearing a disguise and he jumped out with a gun. He goes, ah, he's waving the gun in these people's faces. And they're like, ah, who are you? That was that was it. That was a whole art exhibit that only works once. Like you can imagine the people like waiting to go visit that one. They see a guy jump out and he's waving a gun and they're like, uh, I can imagine what is going to scare me, that guy with the gun. And it's probably John Duncan. So that really happened. He also apparently was a Los Angeles City bus driver for a while. Either that or he pretended to be one. He wore a bus driver uniform and just got in a bus and started driving around. Because a couple of his artworks, quote-unquote artwork, has to do with driving a bus, driving a city bus. In 1976, he had one called Bus Ride. This first one's funny. This first one's pretty funny. That's the reason why I like performance artists, and sometimes they're wacky. He, I don't know if he arranges. I'm assuming this was some sort of skit that was going on on a bus. But the bus would be going down the street, and he would have a pregnant woman on board. I'm sure I hope she was part of this. I hope she was in on it. Otherwise, actually, it's probably more hilarious if she wasn't. There's a pregnant woman on the bus. There's a bunch of, like, random passengers. This is, nowadays, we would call this a social experiment on YouTube. But back then, this was high art. He would drive around a bus. He's wearing a disguise. He's dressed up like a burglar. He has his gun ready to scare people in case he needs another artwork real quick. This one doesn't pan out. There's a pregnant woman, and then there's a stranger on there as well. I mean, it's a bus. Everyone's a stranger, but there's a pregnant woman, and not a stranger to John Duncan. It's someone John Duncan knows. And this dude kicks the pregnant woman off the seat. Like, they're sitting next to each other, and he kicks her off, and then props his feet up on the seat. So he was doing it just to have more leg room. He wasn't doing it because he needed to get there. He wasn't doing it because she was sarah connor and he was the terminator no he kicks her off the seat and then a fight breaks out among the other passengers and half of them take the stranger's side half of them go hey man you shouldn't kick a pregnant lady off of the seat and the other half is like well we don't know the whole story we don't know the whole story maybe he's from the future and he's trying to terminate john connor he did that twice he did that artwork twice 30 days apart 
And then he did this other one, which I had to go, I ended up finding his website and really had to dig into some of this stuff, because this made no sense, but this is a quote, this is from Wikipedia. His other version of Bus Ride was, quote, Bus Ride sexually stimulated unsuspecting passengers. <laughs> this would be a crime nowadays. It's a crime back then, too, but, quote, Bus Ride sexually stimulated unsuspecting passengers on a city bus with a liquid poured into the ventilation system in order to observe the results. I'm like, what? What in the possible? Like, I can understand, like, if he was driving, he's driving by sexy billboards over and over again. People are like, ooh, that sure is a sexy picture of Bo Derek or whoever was hot back in 1976. No, he put a liquid in. I was like, what? That's not, that's not enough information. I got to figure out what this liquid is. It was, this is gross. This is so gross. Who would get turned on by this? Imagine you're on a city bus in Los Angeles, the home of smog, the birthplace of smog. It didn't exist till Los Angeles was built. It's 1976. It's the smoggiest of smogs. You're driving in this hot city bus. You're like hoping you can see a pregnant woman kicked off a seat. You're like, that's my fetish because I'm a weird sicko. But instead, instead you don't get to see that delight. Instead, he dropped fish extract. Into the ventilation system. I mean, that's the grossest smell. Fish extract into the ventilation system. I've done that as a prank. I, it's actually, technically, it's a crime, but I've done that. I've taken fish oils or other smelly things and put it in people's ventilation systems in their cars. It was a long time ago, officers. You can't prosecute me for that, for that misdemeanor. He would put fish extract in the ventilation system of an L.A. bus. Oh, and also the windows. He made so the windows don't open up. So now it's not a social experiment. Now he's basically just the Joker. He's trying to trying to drive people mad. And that's not sexually stimulating. I've never been like walking by dudes fishing and they're like checking me out. They're like, woohoo, woohoo. And they're like catcalling me. Fish aren't sexy. I don't understand why he thought that he could put fish extract in a dirty city bus's ventilation system with all the other smells that are contained in that bus lock the windows which i'm pretty sure is a fire hazard and just drive around in circles people are like sir that was my stop that was my stop and he's like uh do you have a boner yet and they're like no of course not i'm on a disgusting city bus he's like we're just going to keep driving around till you do he's most famous though not for putting not for this hilarious fact well, that's pretty funny right both of those are kind of funny he's not He's not famous for those. He's famous for a piece of art he did on May 14th, 1980. This one had no witnesses. You could argue it had one, but as far as I know, they've never come forward. This was a performance art that he did called Blind Date. And you can find it on YouTube, shockingly. Well, I mean, again, if it's fake, it's probably about as real as the Batman. You can watch a video of Robert Pattinson beating up some thug. You're not, like, calling the cops. You're like, I just saw Robert Pattinson beat up this dude. He has this audio only. There's no video footage or film footage of this at all. We have to take his word for this. And if you listen to the audio track on YouTube, it explains, on May 14th, 1980, John Duncan had sex with a dead body. Apparently, he went to Mexico and bribed a coroner down there to have sex with a body. He walks in with a pocket full of cash and he goes, do you have any suggestions, good sir? Can I have your hottest corpse? 
And he, I don't know, I don't know if he cared how hot it was. It was a dead woman, right? I don't know. And I, here's the thing. I don't believe this. I don't believe this happened. If you guys are getting angry at me laughing, I think it's made up. But he says he went to a coroner down in Mexico and bribed one of them to have sex with a dead body. And he was going to record it on audio tape. So there's no proof he did any of this. And he had sex to completion. And then he went and had a vasectomy on audio tape. So he went, I don't know if they were all in the same room. I don't know if there was a doctor sitting there. He's like, oh, come on, hurry up, dude. I got another appointment. I got another appointment with another sicko across town. Apparently he had sex with this corpse and recorded the audio of it. And then had a vasectomy and recorded the audio of that. And the point was to have put the last of his living viable seed, his sperm, into a dead body. To a corpse that can never get pregnant. I don't believe this happened. I don't believe this happened. Because basically, I listened to the audio track. Again, it's on YouTube. I didn't have to go to some crazy website. And I wouldn't have if I had to. I'd been like, ah, whatever. I went to YouTube. And I listened to this. And it's about... Imagine what you... Imagine the sounds of... Two people having sex, but one of them can't. It's that. It's nothing. It's nothing. I mean, I don't know if I expected, like, Barry White music in the background and him, like, talking to it. This is getting really really dark and really gross. But again, I didn't... I'm not saying that he did this. He's saying that he did this, and I don't believe him. It's the sound... It's like nothing. It's like 10 minutes of, like, a guy unzipping his pants and then nothing. And then... About 10 minutes, an unreasonably long amount of time. <laughs> I don't know how long vasectomies take. I'm like, what? Come on, I have an appointment on the other side of town. Hurry up, duck. It's the sound of two blocks of wood scraping against each other. That's really what it sounds like. I don't know if he was trying to simulate like someone sawing through his testicles to give him a, a vasectomy. I don't know what he was trying to do. But it's basically like 10 minutes of nothing. And then 10 minutes of... Uh, 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 uh. And that's it. That is it. If you've ever wanted to hear someone, I'm assuming, pretend to have sex with a corpse, because otherwise, like, otherwise it's a crime, right? It's a, it's a physical crime. Like, it's actually, like, on the books. It's abuse of a corpse. You can't go, just because it's in a different country, I'm pretty sure that's a crime in Mexico, too. But to record a crime, and then, you know, the vasectomy is not against the law, but... He records this thing, he put this out, and that's what he's most known for, I think, in the general public. I, he's pretty obscure. Like, I'm sure a couple of people knew about him, but I, I, that's what he's most known for outside of the art world. He, and this is the problem with performance art. You'll come up with something super daring like that. You're able to trick people to think that it's real. Where do you go from there? Right? He's already trapped a bunch of people on a city bus. That's hilarious. Having sex with a dead corpse... I don't believe it. If it was true, if he actually did this, it's a crime, right? Whether or not it's art. But if he actually did it, it's kind of gross, right? <laughs> like, even if the law's like, we don't prosecute this guy, it's gross. It's gross. Like, how do you do anything after that? And what's funny is you can never top that. You can never top that. He's still active today. He's still He's been active for a couple decades at this point. But he did stuff like, in in 2006, he had the gauntlet. Ooh, what could a guy who banged a dead woman have in mind? What would the sickness be in this artist, in the gauntlet? It sounds creepy, right? 
He had a bunch of people wear blindfolds. Here's <laughs> just a tip. Don't wear a blindfold around this guy. You might end up having sex with a corpse. He would put a bunch of people around blindfolds and they walked down a dark hall while alarms were going off in their ears. Again, that's hilarious. But it's boring. Like, that's total de-escalation. He also did this thing. He keeps having this weird thing about getting people naked with him. Again, just a tip. Don't get naked around this guy. In 2014, he had a choral piece where he had all these volunteers who had to agree to everything that he told them to do without knowing in advance what they were in for. And then they all undress from the waist up. And then the music starts, dot, dot, dot. That's the only description for that. So we don't know what he did. Everyone's like, that's weird. I'm pretty sure we were all in a van traveling over the U.S.-Mexican border. Where could we possibly be going? Just weird stuff. But you can't, like, no matter what weird stuff you did, you can never talk this. He did do this one thing that's kind of intriguing because he did enjoy, like, he had a fascination with lost media, which I think a lot of, a lot of us do. Um, he had this movie called The Secret Film, which was screened individually to eight viewers before the film itself and the room it was shown in were both destroyed by fire. And I like to imagine that video is just him pointing at the camera and laughing. Ha ha ha! You fell for it! All those grants! All those donations! You fell for it! Ha 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 ha! He has like a corpse hand. He's like holding up this corpse hand, waving at the camera. She's not... I didn't bang her. She's a corpse. She's a corpse. I'm hanging out with his body, but I didn't have sex with her. And I didn't get a vasectomy. So all those women should go get pregnancy tests. So that is the story of John Duncan, a shocking, revolutionary performance artist, sticking it to the man, man. He knows what it takes to shake up the system. The sound of two blocks of wood scraping together on a grainy audio cassette. Gregory, I'm pushing Gregory into a room with this guy. It's like, Gregory, I know you're the Patreon supporter, but uh, why aren't the Carpenter Copters in that dark room? In that dark room with that weirdo. You see a city bus sitting in the background. Gregory's like, I'm pretty sure that's not the Carpenter Copter. Gregory, let's toss you the keys of the Carpenter Copter. We're leaving behind John Duncan. We're headed all the way out to India. I found this story online. I want to give a shout out to the person who wrote it. His name is Adi Puro. And Adi Puro tells a story. It happened very recently. This story takes place in March 2022. And we're in the Vihar colony. That's in Ajmer, Rajstan, India. It's 8.35 in the morning. Now, I don't have this dude's real name, but we're going to go ahead and just call him Paul. Paul is headed to school. Now, he says, I, what I love about this story is when people started saying, that's not real, that's not real, he starts providing maps, GPS coordinates, photographs, and people at a certain point, they're like, we don't believe you. And then he goes, this is where I live, and this is where I go to school. And people are like, okay, okay, we believe you. Take this stuff off, dude. You're going to get followed by some weirdo. But I love it when people do provide this type of information and when we have a story this fantastic. Paul he says he lives far away from school, so his normal route is he has to take a bus till he gets close to school, like a city bus. John Duncan, John Duncan's driving it. He's like, I'm worldwide, baby. He takes the city bus, so he's close to the school, and then he has to hire an auto rickshaw to actually get to school. Now, he says it works out pretty good because I don't go to school every day. I have severe allergies. 
So I have an exception. The only time I have to go to school is when it's time for exams, which totally makes sense. A lot of times they'll do that. You, they have to have someone there to tell that you're not cheating. But otherwise, he's just doing schooling at home. So the fact that he has this long commute, it doesn't really affect him. But he takes this bus, and when he gets to an area closer to the school, him and his friend rent an auto rickshaw or a tuk-tuk. It's a little motorized bike that has a little carriage on it so you can fit multiple people. He says, I go take the bus, totally normal journey, doesn't smell like fish, the windows roll down. And then he gets to where the auto rickshaw is and he sees his friend and another classmate there. And they go, okay, you know what, just all hop on board. We're all headed to the same destination, not a big deal, right? So they get in the auto rickshaw and they're driving and everyone's complaining about this test because they all have this exam today. And Auto rickshaw is driving down the road. It takes a corner. And Paul is now stepping off of the bus. He's like, what? What? (laughs) What in the world happened? Hey, Paul! Hey, Paul! His friend says, hey, come over here, buddy. We got that auto rickshaw. We're going to take to school, man. These tests are going to suck. Hey, does mind if this guy itches right with us, this other student? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Paul's a little distracted, but he's like, uh, okay. Yeah, deja vu. They hop on the auto rickshaw. <laughs> takes off down the road. And then makes a turn at a corner. <laughs> Paul is stepping off the bus. At this point, he thinks... He's hallucinating. Like the first time you think it was deja vu. The second time you think it might be something more serious. And he goes, I have to be hallucinating. And he checks his watch and it's 8.35. The same time it was when he stepped off the bus the first time. So even if he was standing here hallucinating, this time should pass, but it hasn't. His friend calls him over. Hey, can this buddy hop on with us? We're all headed to the same destination. Yeah. uh, This seems familiar. Didn't, didn't we do this? What, what are you talking about? Come on, man. Get in. Get in. I can't God, I can't believe we've got to do this test today. Auto rickshaw turns the corner. Paul is stepping off the bus. This happens a few times, and then he goes, okay, I don't know what's going on, but I gotta figure this out. I'm going nuts. Hey, Paul, Paul, we got this auto rickshaw, dude. Come on, let's go on. Is it cool if this guy catches a ride with us? We're all headed to the same destination. And Paul goes, let's take a different auto rickshaw. How about that one? That one over there. What? We already got the... Oh, okay. Okay, hey, yeah, no, we'll go to this other auto rickshaw. They walk over there and they get in the auto rickshaw and Paul sits in the back. A new auto rickshaw, a different driver, a different vehicle... Turns the corner. Paul is stepping off the bus. He said, by my count, I would say this happened 35 times. The auto rickshaw, no matter which one they picked, whenever it made that corner, he would appear back at the bus. And he starts to think, okay, it's probably not the auto rickshaw. It's definitely not me unless I've fully gone insane. We should take a different route to school. 
maybe it's the route. And he's trying to convince his friends to take a different route to school. And they're like, no, why would we go? That's no, no, that's out of the way. We're not going to go that way. Let's go. Turns the corner. Paul is stepping off the bus. Hey, guys, I know I look really exhausted. Can we please just go a different way to school? What? No, why? This is the way to go. This is the easiest way to go. Come on, Paul. Get in the auto rickshaw. We got to go. We got that exam today. Auto rickshaw turns the corner. Paul is stepping off the bus. He says, he said it was 35 times before he started really thinking maybe we should go a different direction. He said that eventually he goes, guys, please, can we go to another direction? In fact, if you let me choose the direction we go into, I will buy us all tea at this highfalutin tea bar called Chai Sata Bar. I go, yeah, sure. Yeah, that sounds great. I don't know why you're going to buy us tea if we go a different route, but let's do it. Auto rickshaw turns a different corner. And they safely make it to school. In time for the test. After school. He had to buy them tea. I think he bought them tea after school. Didn't say if he bought it before or after. That's not relevant, right? That's not what's mysterious. When did he buy it? He goes on to explain, because he was responding to people in comments, which is also a really good sign when people are making stuff up. Sometimes they can say too much, it hangs them. And sometimes they can actually give valid answers. He goes, I don't do drugs, I don't do alcohol. I don't take absurd amounts of allergy medicine, even though I have really bad allergies. He said, what happens is my allergy is, he said it's like, Something that asthmatic patients have where once he starts sneezing, he can't stop. But it only, this is kind of a cushy thing, he doesn't have to go to school all year except for the test. But he goes, my allergies really only kick up in the winter. So I don't know what he's allergic to. I don't know if he's allergic to snow or Santa Claus. But he's he's also allergic to apples, which I didn't even know was possible. He's allergic to apples. And he has this allergy condition that once he starts sneezing, he can't stop that he could actually run out of breath. He could come close to suffocating, if not die. So he says, I take medicine for him in the winter. That's the only time that they're super active, but I don't have to go to school year round. So I wasn't on a ton of allergy medicine like Benadryl. He goes, I wasn't on any of that stuff. This story happened. I got off the bus between 40 to 50 times. I lost count. I lost count at a certain time, but it wasn't until I convinced them to go another direction that we got to school on time. And again, people are like, we don't believe you. And he's like, here's a photo of the T-bar. Here's the school I go to. Here's where the bus drop off is. Here's where the auto rickshaw, like he was populating with Google Maps. And people were like, whoa, whoa, slow down, dude, slow down. It's a fascinating story. We were talking about this on the Patreon Discord the other day. Time loop stories are great. Time loop stories are great because they're so in the moment, literally. I mean, it's the same moment playing over and over again, and there's no location or time that's specific to them. Ghosts tend to happen late at night. 
They could be in your house or they could be in someplace spooky. UFOs tend to be late at night. Recently, when I've been covering alien abduction stories or UFO stories, during the day, I love them. That story we did earlier this week about that guy who met all those reptilians. It was the middle of the day. It was like 10 in the morning. But generally, UFO stories take place at night and normally... Ghost stories take place at night. Normally, Bigfoot stories take place in the woods or in the wilderness. But time loop stories have no restrictions to them. They can happen at any moment, anywhere, anytime. So there's a normalcy to it. You don't have to travel to a Sedona, Arizona to walk through a portal. You just get off the bus. And what I find so interesting about time loop stories, and this is the way we're going to wrap this episode up, I think it's just part of the human condition. We are the narrators of our own lives. We are the main character in our own lives. So Paul's telling this story, but remember there was three other people involved in this time loop. The rickshaw driver, which changed between different rickshaws, his friend, and the other classmate. They had no idea they were stuck in a time loop. None. Only Paul did. And it was one of those things that you, would you feel comfortable? Like, I would have to be really, really good friends with someone. Like, years-long friendships, right? With someone before, if we were out having a nice dinner somewhere, I said, I think we're trapped in a time loop. <laughs> like, we're sitting there, it's endless bread at Pasta Garcade, it's endless bread at Olive Garden, I'm like, no, the horror won't end, om nom nom nom. And then I was like, why is there more bread? They're like, Jason, that's not a time loop. But what if I was trapped in a time loop at a restaurant, and, and we're 15, 20 times into this rotation, I turned to my friend, and I was like, hey, listen, we've been good friends for a long time, and I know I've said a lot of weird stuff over the years, but please trust me, when I think we're trapped, in a time loop at the Olive Garden. Maybe I shouldn't order chicken parmesan. Maybe I should order spaghetti meatballs. That would be the most delicious time loop to be stuck in. I'd have to really, really trust someone. And they wouldn't believe you. No one would believe you if you said they were in a time loop. And then, even if they did start to believe you, the time loop will reset and they won't believe you again. Until you figure out what's causing the thing in the first place. That's terrifying. But we are the main characters in our own story. Paul was the main character of this story, but the friends and the auto rickshaw drivers, they're the main characters of their own stories, and they had no idea this was going on. I think when we look at time loop stories, we always see ourselves as the narrator. We never see ourselves as the friend. We never see ourselves as the person who doesn't know the time loop is going on over and over and over and over and over and over and over again. That's... Terrifying. I never really thought about that. When I was reading the story, it was such a normal story. I was like, what if you weren't Paul? What if you were his friend? And you kept saying and doing the same things over and over again, and you had no clue that you were stuck in a time loop. And I wonder, put on our conspiracy caps here to wrap this up, I wonder if you could be sitting there and you could be like in your 40s and you're like, man, life just has really let me down. I'm not where I thought I was going to be. I just feel like I'm stuck on a treadmill. I feel like I just go to work, come home, watch television, go to bed, go to work, come home, watch television, go to bed. And then on the weekends, I sleep in, do some chores, watch television, go to bed. And it just feels like I've been stuck on this endless cycle forever. When in fact, that's not true. 
you've just been living out the last week over and over and over again. For 50 years, 60 years, you're stuck in someone else's time loop. So it's not that you're actually doing the same thing over and over again. By choice, you're doing the same thing over and over again because someone else is stuck in a time loop and you are a part of their life in some way. And maybe after, like this happened 40 or 50 times and the other three people had no idea that it was going on. Maybe after 10,000 rotations or 50,000 rotations, who knows? Maybe you would start to go, I've done this before. Or maybe you would never know. Maybe you could be stuck in the same moment for eons. Because one person can't find their way out of their time loop. And you can't even help them. You don't even know what's happening. I always thought being stuck in a time loop would be pretty cool, honestly, but also be scary if you couldn't figure your way out. I never considered the people around them. That's terrifying, and there is no way out. You cannot help on this journey. You cannot figure it out because you don't believe it. You don't believe it's happening. You're just stuck in that moment. Now, Paul was eventually able to figure something out and convince his compatriots to go a different direction, which broke the time loop. But what if we're the friends and the time loop is never broken? We're stuck in an endless cycle going on and on. And we don't even know it. You can outrun a UFO. You can shoot Bigfoot. You can perform an exorcism on a demon. You can cleanse a haunted house. But how do you fight against time? And how do you fight against it? If you don't even know, it's a threat. DeadRabbitRadio at gmail.com is going to be our email address. You can also hit us up at facebook.com slash deadrabbitradio. TikTok is at deadrabbitradio. Dead Rabbit Radio is the daily paranormal conspiracy and true crime podcast. You don't have to listen to it every day, but I'm glad you listened to it today. Have a great weekend, guys. Mother's Day is almost here, and you can get her the most beautiful time-tested gift around, a watch she can wear every day from Movement. Whether your mom is into classic dress watches, rare and refined ceramics, or tried-and-true bestsellers, Movement has something she'll love. And right now, everything at Movement is up to 50% off site-wide during their Mother's Day sale. A watch is a gift that celebrates all the time you spent with mom, and a Movement watch is even more than that. Movement uses industry-leading materials for their fresh modern watch designs, from technically complex ceramics to vintage-inspired style, all for an incredible value your wrist and wallet will both love. 
And with one-size-fits-all convenience and fast-free shipping and returns, it's a stress-free shopping experience. Save big on the best Mother's Day gift ever with Movement. Get up to 50% off site-wide during their Mother's Day sale at MVMT.com. Again, that's up to 50% off at MVMT.com.